most of our opportunities, if just work hard enough here, you can get to wherever you need to go, right? Like it's not so much about corruption and who you know, et cetera. But I think that it's easy to compare ourselves. I guess that's the bottom line. This is Chan with The Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Nina, welcome to the show. Hey, nice to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So we talked offline and you are a mindset coach, right? Correct. Can you tell me more about what you do as a mindset coach and how you got into this field before we dive into the main topic of discussion today? Yeah, so I'm actually a physician, a primary care doctor, and I've been in primary care for more than 10 15 years. I'm losing track. And in the last couple of years, I just decided to get some more tools on how to coach my patients on behavioral changes, as well as, of course, like adding medicines and things like that. So, you know, I treat hypertension, diabetes, cholesterol, heart disease, all those things, right? But as we all know, it's not as simple as just taking a pill many times. And so I was just really interested in like actually having tools to improve the outcomes for my patients and improving success as well. Great. And what got you into mindset coaching? Yeah. So I certified from the Health Coach Institute over the pandemic because, you know, like I didn't have anything else to do. So it's just been really amazing, actually. It's all stuff I wish I'd learned like 20 years ago. And I feel like it's relatively simple. So really, it's just about like believing in your thoughts, creating feelings, creating actions, you know, and then like all those behavioral changes, including habits and habit stacking, then eventually leads to your results. But really, I think my biggest motto is like, feel your feelings. I'm always saying that. So you help people become more authentic, like basically showcase. Their oh, yeah. Right? My main thing is like, how to be more comfortable in your own skin. Like, how do we become our best selves and our authentic selves? And in and in turn, when you're in your authentic self, like, you know how when you're in your early 20s, everyone's like, oh, yeah, this interview, just be yourself, be yourself. And everyone's like, yeah, what? Yeah, right. You know, but eventually we actually realize that being ourself is actually the answer. I just think that maybe in our early 20s, we don't really know what be myself means. And we don't really delve into what that means because we have so many expectations on ourselves, especially high achieving individuals. And I'm just going to say like us moms really are hard on ourselves. And although it probably motivated us at one time to do better in general, right? Like men and women, the not enough, like need to be better, need to be more perfect, need to whatever, just eventually is like not motivating and not sustainable anymore. So I think that through our program, through our, like we have worksheets and a coaching program, I can help you really like get in touch with your values. I think that's really the where we start, you know, like true core values and why you have these core values and then what you want to do with them, right? Like, do I want these values? Do I want to strive towards these values? Are these just what I live by and I'm not really sure I want to live by? Just questioning all the things, just sort of pausing, reflecting. I think that's really the biggest thing. And then those values then are like your North Star, right? And 
those guide you in all different aspects of your life, career, family, relationship, community, stuff like that. That's a great segue into the main topic here, right, is in terms of expressing your authentic self in your career. So as you know, my podcast is about careers, helping people find more fulfillment and purpose in their work. So with that being said, can you discuss why it's so important to showcase your authentic self in your career? Yeah, I think that the best way might be just to give you some examples from my own experience first. So, you know, I've heard a lot of my patients come in and see me and say something like, gosh, I just love being here because you're so real. As if like I shouldn't be or they didn't expect me to be. And I guess at some point in my early 20s, I just decided that being someone I'm not was exhausting and I just couldn't do it anymore. And so I just was who I was, right? Like take it or leave it. It's a little rough around the edges and not everybody appreciates the raw honesty as most of my patients will call it. But if you can really touch base with yourself. So me as the doctor, I think that when I'm authentic and to be honest, vulnerable, it just opens up my patients, right? So in this case, of course, it's the doctor patient relationship, but I just think this works in most scenarios. When you are open and authentic and honestly vulnerable, that's really the key words. And if you've heard any of Brene Brown's podcast or read any of her books or anything, this is what she talks about. Then the other person is automatically going to be more authentic and vulnerable as well. So the relationship just works better. I wish we were all just robots and we had like, you know, list of activities, list of tasks, list of things we got to get done. Cause that's kind of what it's turned into, except we forget that we're all human and the human relationship is a crucial part of careers and professionalism and being part of the workforce in any industry, I think. So you talk about like when you're in your 20s, you don't know who to, how to act, especially in the workforce, right? Because everybody has advice yeah. on how you should portray yourself. Uh, yeah. So how do you help people identify their authentic selves when they've been suppressing that authentic self for a long period of time? I mean, I think one of the easiest, well, easiest, simplest, not easiest, actionable items is something like journaling. You know, I think you've probably heard a lot more about it recently than before. You know, I used to write in a diary when I was like eight, nine, 10 years old. I didn't know what I was writing about, but I was just writing to get it out. And that's true. I mean, in some ways, I think it's still reasonable to write stuff out so that it's not in your head. But I think more importantly, like writing for one or two minutes and then going back and looking at your journal and then deciding, like, where do these thoughts and ideas come from? Because I would love to tell you that we're well, oh, that we're all unique. I'm not going to hopefully burst anyone's bubbles here. You know, yes, we're all unique, but the thoughts in our head are not unique. Like all of the thoughts in our head came from somewhere. Society, our parents, our friends, TV, whatever, right? All the things in our thought in our head, all the thoughts in our head are from somewhere, something that we've heard, read, whatever. And so I think that's where the whole, like, I should be this way and that way comes from when you're in your 20s especially when you're in your 20s, I think a lot of it is from your parents, which again, with good intention and, you know, coming from an Indian household, my parents' intentions were for me to get 100% on everything and especially math. And yes, I'm math brained, but my sister or my brother were not necessarily. And so I think that like this idea of, oh, you must get good grades in order to be successful. I'm going to put that in quotation marks, you know, is something that was in my head. And that means I should be a certain way. My grades should be a certain way. I should dress a certain way. I should act a certain way. My friends should be a certain way. And again, 
all with good intention. So if my parents are listening, you know, it's not because I think that they were trying to sabotage me. It's because that's what they believed was best. And, you know, honestly, that's what I do with my own kids. But also pausing to reflect on this is what I was told. This is how I was brought up. Now, this is like what jives with me, what doesn't, what I feel like I'm resisting. I think that's kind of a new thing for me. Like, what are the things that are easy for me to go with the flow? What are the things I'm resisting? And do I want to keep doing one or the other? Speaking of resisting, right? What are some common challenges people face when they're trying to express their authentic self? And what are some (laughs) recommendations that you can provide to help overcome them? Man. So, okay. So I think two things. Don't let me forget about talking about gratitude. So first things first, I think that we're all human. Okay. And we're all human in the United States, the land of opportunity where bigger is better. I live in Texas and shinier and newer is better. And you know, whatever, all those things, fancier, more expensive, all those things. Right. And because we can, because we have credit cards and because we can afford it and we all have jobs and we're so lucky that we have you know, relatively equal-ish education. And, you know, most of our opportunities, if you just work hard enough here, you can get to wherever you need to go, right? Like, it's not so much about corruption and who you know, et cetera. But I think that it's easy to compare ourselves. I guess that's the bottom line. If anyone's heard of the rat race, that's what we call it. I call it. It's just, you know, basically, like, I moved to this neighborhood because I want my kids to get into this good school district, and then my neighbor has this kind of car or this kind of purse, or this kind of golf clubs, you know, and then we all just want to be one up each other. And it turns into, for lack of a better word, comparisonitis, like keeping up with the Joneses, right? And eventually it leads to like just wanting more and nothing is ever enough. And then you just feel bad about yourself all the time. I think it's the same thing that happens on Instagram, right? Like if you scroll long enough, everybody's perfect lives are showing up over and over again. Well, nobody's going to post like the mess in my kitchen, you know, I'm cleaning this broken glass, you know, so it's similar to that. And then I think the antidote to comparisonitis is gratitude practice just daily. If you can't like simple, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Just like, what am I grateful for today? You know, sometimes I'm grateful for Wi-Fi. Sometimes I'm just grateful for like having a stack of pens or like the ability to order green juice or, curbside groceries, you know, like, and then, and then you'll be surprised. Like the first day it might be a little hard to like think of something, but as you get further and further into this practice, like you can't stop because there's just endless things to be grateful for. And then magically your brain becomes more mindful, more grateful, and you stop kind of comparing yourself. And when you stop comparing yourself, even to your colleagues at work, right? Like, oh, they get their work done faster. Oh, their desk is tidier. Oh, they're whatever, car is nicer, newer, whatever, then you automatically become comfortable in your own skin and a little more authentic. One of the things that you mentioned in terms of like the comparison-itis, right, is that, yes, there are always going to be people ahead of you. But what we always fail to realize when focusing on that is that there are also people that we are above as well, right? So again, we always focus on what we don't have, but something that we have somebody else may not have right so it's always about like we're trying to one up each other but going back to the gratitude portion there are some things that we have that other people may not have i mean a lot of the world does not have what we have you know Um, and so i think that also we don't 
focus on our actual accomplishments. We're always striving for the next best, better, bigger thing. And I don't think it's always wrong. I just think it's worth pausing and reflecting on it. Because if you forget all the accomplishments you've done or made, then you can't even like relish in any of the things you've done and accomplished. Like everything, every single thing that you've accomplished or one of us has accomplished has brought us to today. And even the things that seem like were negative have brought us to today, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a good start. Yeah, for sure. And going back to what you said about like accomplishments, right? Like we don't really, you know, absorb the accomplishment that we've created. We always focus on the next thing. We don't really take a step back. So with that being said, we always focus on like trying to accomplish a future goal, but we never live in the present. So how do you help your clients be more intentional in terms of living in the present? I love that you use the word intentional and I'm surprised I hadn't yet. That's exactly that. Just literally being intentional. I think there's a couple of things. The journaling thing goes a long way. I am not perfect at journaling daily. I probably journal like twice a week, but when I do it, I really can see what I was thinking, what I am thinking. And now I can kind of catch myself too. Like I've been practicing mindfulness and mindset coaching for at least, well, almost two years myself. I've been coaching clients for more than a year. And so I can almost catch the thoughts when they come across my head. Like, am I being intentional in that thought? Or, oh, whoa, that thought just crossed my head, but I don't actually want to think that anymore. So you almost have to unlearn thoughts. And along with that, I don't know about you guys, but like, I'm not exactly the most compassionate with myself. And so when I have those thoughts, I'm like, why are you still having those thoughts? Uh, You're a mindset coach and doctor and you should be living. You should, right? Like, (laughs) why are you not intentional with every single thought that comes across your head or every single word that comes out of your mouth? Well, I'm still human and I still have like 40 some years of thoughts in my head that I'm still practicing. Going back to what you said about like you come from an Indian background, right? So your standard is you have to get 100% in like all your classes. So going back to the authentic self, sometimes expressing your authentic self means you have to make unconventional decisions that might not align with the standards. So what type of advice can you provide in terms of like going with your intuition to make career decisions that may seem unconventional to most? Oh, man. I know it's the first time I've really actually met you, but you just like hit the nail on the head there. I think the fact that you said instinct is really interesting. The first time that I thought about using my gut instinct, or I was told to use my gut instinct was by one of my friends. He just happens to be a relatively religious Christian guy. And he said when we were 19 years old, well, I don't know, what does your gut tell you? And I thought to myself, like, God, dude, I'm thinking about medical school. I'm, who cares what my gut thinks? I just have to go with my head, right? Like get the grades, use your head, be logical, be a doctor, et cetera. And every, and at the time, like I was literally 19, I was like, oh, everything's just going to like fall into place because if you use your head, it should just fall into place. And it took me years and years, maybe even like into my medical residency where I was like, I started, you know, of course we have lots of books and we go buy the book, but once in a while you're like, this doesn't make any sense. I have to like go with my gut instinct. And I think that's the first time I started learning about gut instinct. And I wish that I'd listened more earlier in life. 
But I think a way to do that is to do a values exercise. I think that if you really think about your core values and you can get like a list of values online and just think about things like my core values are loyalty, fun, service, they change, (laughs) but those are my top three family, I guess is a core value, but you know, and then I just think about all the different aspects of my life and that's my North star. Like as long as I'm being loyal to me and that's actually the tricky part too. Like for a long time, I did all the things my parents just told me to do. Right. Because at the time I was like, well, my parents know best and they have good intentions for me and they've steered me correctly so far. And so I went to undergrad, they moved to Texas. I grew up in Canada. And at the time I kind of just like was a fish out of water, really wasn't doing well in school, bombed my MCAT, still wanted to be a doctor. I am not a hundred percent sure why I wanted to be a doctor. I think I was brainwashed by my grandfather, but it worked out. I love medicine. So it worked out great for me, but I do know many people who were, you know, told or thought that that was the right thing for them. And then now they're like, why did I become a doctor? You know? And so that's unfortunate. And I guess that's the classic example of like, when do you stop and think is what everybody else is doing is what everybody else around me is telling me to do right for me. And it's hard. There's no doubt about it. But if you can separate your own values from your family's values, from your society's values, and some are going to overlap, of course, then you'll just be better off sooner, I think is the is the main thing. Yeah. And to add to that, right? So obviously, you have to make the unconventional decision, which could also lead to judgment of others and that of oh, other yeah. people judging you, sorry. And then fear of failure, right? So oh, both. Oh, like, fear, oh, failure. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah fear of failure <laughs> and of being judged by others. For example, like let's yep. say you want to be a doctor. Well, your parents want you to be a doctor and then sure. you want to do something like drastically. Let's say you want to be a YouTuber instead, right? Sure. So there's a fear of failure. It's like, okay, what if this completely bombs? Then they'll be like, I told you so. And then judgment of yeah. others, like, what are you doing? You're throwing this education away to be a YouTuber. So what are some like techniques that you can provide to help people like overcome these thoughts? So I think the first thing is you can actually do more than one thing. So I don't think it's wrong. And maybe that's because I still have some conventional thinking in my head to, you know, get a degree in something that's employable and be a YouTuber. Like, I mean, I'm not look at all the YouTubers. I wish I was a YouTuber, right? Like I'm working on being a YouTuber now, you know, like this is like my, I don't know, fifth podcast. And I never thought about being a podcast guest. And now I'm thinking about having my own podcast, you know, like all these things are just, if you can be a little bit open-minded, then the answers are actually inside you. I do suggest that like reading is a good start. So there's some really good books on mindset one is called mindset, you know, and then some really great podcasts, like um, just like 10% happier, the Jay Shetty podcast, Brene Brown's podcast, you know, Max's podcast. I think that all these things are ways of just finding things that resonate with you. And if they don't resonate with everyone else around you, it's okay. It is scary. There's no doubt about it. And I think that's really where coaching comes in. It's about like, which of the fears do I want to feel? Am I willing to feel to get to the other side versus I'm just afraid and I don't want to do it? Because I think really fears are what keep us 
back, keep us from being who we really are, keep us from living to our full potential and being our authentic self. Yeah. And they always say the worst that you think is going to happen never actually happens. Yeah, seriously. And honestly, even when like, well, so I told you that I didn't do well in my MCAT. And so I ended up applying to medical school in Ireland based on my high school grades. And at the time, I literally thought it was like the end of the world. Okay, here I am like 20 years old going to medical school. And I'm like, this is the end of the world. Why is it the end of the world? Oh, because you didn't get into the medical school. You didn't even apply, actually. I didn't even apply to the medical school that I was going to college at, right? I just assumed I was too scared. I didn't even bother. I was like, I'm not going to get in. I'm not going to apply. That was it. But I was so scared because it was like this big thing like, oh, I'm not going to medical school in Canada. I'm a failure. I'm like a poser. I don't know, whatever, all those things I thought when I was 20. And really, like, it's because my friend went there. I mean, what else, why else do you do things when you're 20? You know, my friend did something, so I did too. And it worked out. But like, I met my husband there. You know, I mean, there's just like all these things. And now I am like hoping that my kids are going to want to go to school there because I just think that living in another country for a while, even though Ireland still speaks English and it's not too different, it is a different culture. It's a different country really served me well learning, learning to be independent, learning to actually learning to rely on myself, I think was probably a big part of it. So independence is not the issue. It's more like about, I have to listen to me and I have to listen to my thoughts. And then I have to decide whether I want to keep those thoughts and run with them or if they're not really serving me. Yeah. And going back to what you said about like, yeah, you didn't get into the school that you wanted to go to, but you did Mm -hmm. meet your husband at another school, correct? So Mm -hmm. in a way, it goes to show that your career path is not always going to be linear, but you might discover some stuff stuff that you might actually be interested that you didn't know about, right? So it's about being open-minded. Yeah, I think that's the base. That's really the basis of it. I think, again, it goes a little bit back to the resist versus go with the flow. So I was just at the beach near Houston last weekend and I saw the sign about rip currents. And I guess there's rip currents there. And it basically said, do not try to fight the current. Like if you feel that you're in a rip current, wait, breathe and float, let it take you and then float out of it. Right. And I don't know, maybe I'm looking now I look for signs. Right. But it just it actually is real. I mean, the more you resist something, the more it's probably not actually the right path. So I'm not saying take the easy path, because, of course, that's also not the answer. What I'm saying is the scary path might be calling you, even though it's not easier. Right. Like, but resisting it isn't going to serve you and isn't going to get you where you want to be. So what's the difference between like giving up too soon and like, yeah, let's just go back to what you said, right? So let's say something's hard. What's the difference between pushing past and keep going than say, okay, maybe this is not for me. So what is the balance? Again, I think that trying multiple things is always a good idea. Putting all your eggs in one basket, definitely do not recommend that. I think that I'm a great example because I put all my eggs into one basket of being a doctor, except my favorite semester in college was the semester I did no sciences just because it was actually the only time I learned something other than science. And it was just interesting, cool stuff like that. I've never thought about learning or I didn't know I was even interested in. I just did them because I was like, well, I'm just going to try something different and see how this goes. And 
in conjunction with my other semester of all science classes, right? And so you're doing all the things at once. And you're right that like, it's hard to know when you're giving up versus just not resisting. But I think deep down, you know. And if you're giving up because you're afraid, that's totally different than I'm pushing really hard. I really want to do this. And I'm sensing resistance. Like none of the stars are aligning. I don't know why I said that, but do I really believe in fate and stars aligning? Uh, depends on the day. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't have any other explanation for a lot of things. And I think ju- I just think that every decision, every fork in the road, even if it's not linear, is meant to be the way it is. So in terms of that, right, not linear path. So what are some things that you can share in terms of your own personal experience where your career path was not linear, but how did you use those like bumps along the way to really hone in what you really want to do? I think it's just looking back and having a moment of, okay, this is the scenario. Therefore I'm going to do this, right? Like in medicine, it's easy because if you don't get 99 on your boards, like you're basically limited or, you know, whatever on specialties or whatever. But again, all those things like worked out the way they were supposed to work out. Before I went to medical school, I wanted to be a GP in Canada. That's what we call it. When I went to Ireland at some point during med school, I don't know when or how, I thought I wanted to be a radiologist. I did not get 99 on my step one. Therefore, radiology was out the window. I was super depressed. But then I was like, wait, pause, right? That's really what I ended up doing. I just paused, looked at everything and then said, I don't even know why I wanted to be a radiologist in the first place. I actually originally wanted to be a primary care doctor. So this is great. This is forcing me to do exactly what I was meant to do in the first place. And then I applied to primary care and my husband was a year ahead of me. So I only applied to one place. Apparently this is a running thing for me. And I got in because I was applying to internal medicine. I did two months of electives there. I got pregnant with my daughter in residency. I had my son there. So both my kids were born in Kentucky. That's where we did our residencies. I had my first practice there. When my husband matched to Kentucky, I literally didn't even know what Kentucky was. I mean, I'm Canadian. Okay. So please give me that. But I I had to like essentially Google exactly where it was. I had no idea that it was so close to North Carolina where I have some family, Ohio and Michigan where we have some family, you know, like I was like, Oh, okay. This should be fine. Right. Like, And it actually was great. And I could have made it terrible and just hated every moment. But even though I have some strong opinions of things, I think I had an open enough mind to be like, well, I'm just going to make the most of it. I had low expectations, so don't get me wrong. But we loved every minute of it. My kids are dying to go back to Kentucky because they don't remember it. And I had my first practice. We had two cars. We had a house. We had a nanny. Like, there's no way we could have afforded any of those things in any other place. So just works out the way it's supposed to. I mean, obviously, we kind of decided, but it sort of just works out the way it's supposed to, for real. Speaking of, like, you had low expectations when you went from Canada to Kentucky, right? That's, in a way, like, falls into, like, limiting beliefs of your potential in a new environment. Yeah. So how do you overcome, like, these limiting beliefs? Like for you, you overcame, right? And then you actually loved Kentucky. So like, what are some piece of advice you can provide for someone who's like in a new environment and has limiting beliefs in terms of their success in this new environment? 
I think again, it comes back down to awareness. Like I didn't know, I didn't know anything about coaching or mindset coaching or I mean anything at the time. Right. Like I was just like, okay, be a doctor and do what you can. I, but I did have the mindset of make the most of what you've got. I think I've always sort of had that. Like I was scared, but I'm kind of a risk taker in some ways. So I wasn't really super afraid to be afraid. If that makes sense. Like I was willing to be afraid. Let's put it that way. I'm like, this is scary, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I guess that's kind of where the limiting beliefs now that I'm coaching, I understand what a limiting belief even is because it's essentially that it's essentially like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. If I do this and this is going to happen, if I don't do this and this is going to happen, right? Like these are all the limiting beliefs. Like this is the way it should be. This is the way it can't, it's supposed to be blah, blah, blah. And I think that again, I know I'm going back to journaling, which I don't do every day. And, but if you can catch yourself saying words like should or have to, or need to, or I used to say a lot of like, that's just the way it is. And I just know that's the way it is. And then, you know, somebody would be like, have you ever been to Kentucky? <laughs> I'm like, no, never been to Kentucky. So how do you know? And I'm like, I don't. Okay. Well, if you're going to be there for six years, you know, maybe you should just like open your brain a little because maybe you, maybe just maybe you might have a good time, but you definitely won't have a good time if you have limiting beliefs and closed mindedness. I use closed mindedness in a loose fashion. Okay. You know, just like assuming that I'm not going to find my people or find friends or have friends or whatever. Like that was probably what I was thinking about at the time, but all great things, all wonderful things came out of Kentucky, including my kids. <laughs> so. so do they have like dual citizenship? Cause like you're Canadian. Oh, I mean, they probably could. I haven't gotten that far. I'm not sure that I'm ready to get a bunch more passports, <laughs> but I do. I have Canadian passport. So yeah. as you know, my podcast is about like helping people find like more meaning in their work, right? So when it comes to uh, finding your authentic self or expressing your authentic self, that may lead to having to switch careers. One of the sure. things that people are fearful of is when they switch careers, they might have to start from zero. So let's say you built up a career in project management for 10 years, and then you realize that marketing is what you want to do, but you're afraid that you have to start all the way from zero, which means like lower salary, entry-level positions. So what are your thoughts on helping people like overcoming those limiting beliefs where they believe that they have to start from zero in order to make a pivot to express their authentic self? Well, that's exactly what I just did. So in a way, obviously medicine and coaching is similar, but also it's kind of different. I just realized that while being a primary care doctor, the parts of medicine and primary care that I loved was the coaching. You know, we call it counseling in medicine, but I didn't have the tools to do it. And then once I got the tools and I started doing more and more of it, I realized that, yes, I love, you know, obviously fixing people's sugars and making their blood pressures normal and preventing heart disease and stroke, et cetera. But part of that is coaching people and giving people tools to eat better, to sleep better, to have coping mechanisms for anxiety. So when I realized that's where my true gifts were, I mean, I don't know if honesty is a gift or just me, but I think that's what it is. Like partly I'm just super honest and I'm like, dude, just don't do that. Like it sucks and we all want to, and it makes us human, but 
if you keep doing this, then you're going to end up in this boat, right? And so once I had the tools to start doing that, that's basically when I left my job or I gave notice on my primary care job. And it was crazy because I left a job I loved. There was nothing wrong with it. And so many people leave their job once they hate it. And I did not want to get to that point because you can find all the things you hate about everything, right? I love patients. I love medicine. I love taking care of people. I love getting the results that I know are inside of you. And so, yes, I felt like I was starting all over and, you know, I had plenty of people be like, but you're a doctor. You can't just quit being a doctor. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm going to be a doctor no matter what. Let's just start there. Secondly, I am still going to stick to clinical medicine just one day a week. And it's going to be in the free clinic nearby because I've worked my butt off for 10 years and I've, you know, collected enough income and made some smart investment decisions, saved, lived below our means enough that I can take some time off and actually work on my coaching business. So that's what I've been doing for the last like few months. I, my last day of primary care was actually March 31st. So it's only been about a month and a little bit, but I've been coaching, you know, kind of on my way to entrepreneurship in the last few months, but I'll tell you, I've had my own limiting beliefs about Am I really an entrepreneur? To me, an entrepreneur is like someone who has made it in business. But that's like me saying in medical school that a doctor is someone who takes care of patients. Well, I took care of patients in medical school, but I just didn't have the degree yet. So maybe I'm learning to be an entrepreneur versus just like a randomer, just like I was learning to be a doctor. And that's sort of my analogy for anyone, right? Like if your true passion is in marketing, then you're only going to succeed that much more. It's not possible that you're going to fall backwards. And here's the other thing. Let's just say that everything goes to crap, okay? And you're just like, I can't do this. I can't figure out how to do this. I'm scared, whatever. Like I quit my job and now I'm doing marketing and it's not really working or whatever. I thought I liked it, but I don't. Guess what? You can still go back to project management. Like, just like I can go back to medicine. It is still there. You are not like running away from anything. And I guess that's really the thing to think about. I would prefer, or I think everyone would prefer if we could say, I'm not running away from my current career. I'm just closing a chapter and running to a new career. And that I think just those words in your brain feel different. And when you're motivated and feel motivated, you're just automatically gonna do better than, crap, what did I do? What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? I don't know how to do this. Blah, blah, blah. Right. And so that's, I think that's the advice I can give you that worst case scenario, just go back to your old job. Yeah. Like, yes. You may be starting from scratch for, in a new role, but if you, that's not sure. for you, you can always go back to what you've built over the years. Right. It's not like. Yeah. And from other. scratch is not from scratch. Like no. all those years of whatever you were doing, definitely have application in some other way, right? In your next career. There's no doubt about it. It may not be the same, like you might be even using paper instead of computers or whatever. Like I am like doing Facebook and Instagram marketing. This is crazy. You know, I have like no idea. I've learned about Facebook ads, spent a lot of money on this junk, (laughs) but it's kind of fun learning a new thing. And if you see it that way and you see it as something you're passionate about and something that is fun, then putting energy and time into it is going to be successful. You just have to catch your brain when it tries to tell you that you shouldn't do it because it's uncomfortable. 
Yeah, because our brains are programmed to like protect ourselves and that means yeah. less risk taking, right? But you won't be fulfilled right. that way. Being comfortable, even if it's not what you want, but it's like, I know this life, I know this whatever. It's just, you know, the same thing every day. Just don't, why do you need to rock the boat? Just leave it alone. But we're also human where we want growth and we want new ideas and new things. That's just part of being human too. So for people listening to our conversation, right, you said like usually people make decisions like when they're under the gun. What I mean by that is like if it's a very toxic work environment or they get laid off, then they might take action and do something different or do something that they want to do compared to like, as you said before, you're comfortable with what you had in your current job, but you want something more. But usually that is a bit of a gray area because usually when people are comfortable, they don't really want to take action compared to someone that is either in a very toxic environment or they got laid off from the job and then they have sure. no choice but to do something else. So what is some takeaways that you want someone to take away from this conversation to basically give them the kick in pants that they should take action, even though they're comfortable with where they are right now? Yeah. So I think it's hard. I think it's way harder when it's your own brain's choice or some, maybe it's not your brain. Maybe it's actually your gut's choice. Right. And then your brain is like, no, 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 no. Just stay where you are. Everything's good. At least that's what was happening with me. Like, I just kept on thinking something is missing. Something is missing. I kept on saying something like I wanted more impact. You know, I'm a primary care doctor. I see like 50 patients a week. I'm part time. So like, how much more impact do you want? That's what people used to say to me. Right. And I didn't even know what that meant, except I needed some brain space to explore what that meant. And so what I originally said, and I'm still saying, is like, I'm taking a little break to explore the things that I didn't even know I had interests in. Like, I went and lobbied at the Capitol. That's not what I was thinking I was going to do. But it was fun, and it was interesting. And now I know that it is what it is, and I'm not sure how much of it I want to do. But at the same time, if I want actual policy changes, that's where I got to go. So I just think that feeling your feelings I'm going to come back to that is the biggest thing. Like, why am I feeling afraid? Why am I feeling maybe angry? Why am I feeling discouraged or again, scared? I think those are the things that really come into your brain. And then it's like, well, of course I feel scared. Of course I feel uncomfortable because I've been doing the same thing and it's comfy, even though I want more. And so you kind of have to decide which one, is pulling you more. And the more I told myself not to think about leaving my job, the more signs I had that I had to leave my job. And as soon as you start telling people, it's kind of amazing how everybody says all the things that you don't want to hear. <laughs> like, like, you know, deep down, like my patients would say, Oh my God, this is amazing. You're so brave. And I'm like, really? Well, sounds really, feels really crazy to me, feels a little reckless to me, you know, but when other people start to have faith in you, you actually can start to believe it too. So maybe the other thing is surrounding yourself by people that want you to grow. I'm lucky enough to have my husband, you know, it would be easy for both of us to be like, no, 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 no. just stick to your job. It's decent money. Just, we know what it entails. We know the predictability. We know the unpredictability. Yes, you have to take call. Yes, you have to take weekend clinic, blah, 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 right? All that stuff. But we know it. So let's just not rock the boat. But really he was like, that sounds cool. Why don't you try it? I'm like, try it. I mean, I'm quitting my job here. It's not like a trial, you know? And he's like, what do you mean? 
everything's a trial. So I think it's nice to have somebody that also supports you and says, I'm here and I think you can do it. Going back to that, right, in terms of finding that supportive environment, again, like if your parents want you to go one path, like if you stay in that yeah. household, it's going to be hard for you to deviate. And then you are, as they say, the average of five people you hang around with. So if you're trying yeah. to embark on a new adventure, expressing your authentic self that yeah. goes against the societal norms, so to speak, how do you find those people that are going to encourage you, similar to what patients did for you, encouraging you to take that path? I think it's kind of like finding your people, finding your tribe, you know, I think that probably making a list of people that you hang out with and figuring out which people create the feelings you want to feel versus the feelings you don't want to feel or have common values is a good place to start. It's just an easier place to start, you know, and again, you can't like decide, oh, well, my parents don't are not on board. My parents don't support me. Therefore, I'm just not going to hang out with my parents because then you're going to have a different kind of resistance in your head and you're never going to feel good about what you're doing. Right. Like I know a few people like that, too. And so it doesn't mean that you can't take a little hiatus. Right. Like, okay, I'm going to move out. I'm old enough. I'm responsible enough. I'm independent enough, but I'm still going to see my parents. I'm not going to avoid my parents, but I'm just going to see them like three hours every Sunday or something. Right. Or I'm going to go to lunch with my mom on Mondays and see like my whole family on Saturdays for X amount. And you just decide this is what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to necessarily divulge all of my deepest, darkest fears and wants every time I see them. Because remember, the biggest thing is putting yourself in their shoes too. It's not like they don't want you to be happy. It's not like they don't want you to do well. They're just, they just know what they had to do well and that the track record to do X, Y, and Z has worked for them and their friends' kids. And so maybe for their kid, that'll still, that'll be more likely to work, but it doesn't mean that they don't support you once they can see that it's less scary for them once you have succeeded in their eyes. Yeah, that's a good point. Like once you succeeded, all the fears kind of alleviate at that point. Yeah. And even if you haven't, if you come back and you're like, so I tried marketing and I did this and this and this, and I spent a couple thousand dollars and I still, and I decided to go back to my other job. Yeah, fine. Your parents might say, I told you so. That was a dumb idea. You shouldn't have done that. You should have listened to me. And that's fine. You have to decide. That's their prerogative to say whatever they're going to say. And hopefully you can see that they're also doing it from a place of good intention. And they're not saying it from a place of, I told you, and now you should listen to me forever from now on. Because of course our parents want us to listen to them, but they also want us to be independent thinkers. You know, I have a 13 year old daughter and it's a very fine line. <laughs> I want to end this conversation with the sign behind you on your left, right? With all those quotes yeah. um, for people who are watching. So what made you get that sign? And what out of all those quotes there that stands out to you the most and resonates with you the most? Ooh, I think it's changed. So I think I bought it at like Ross when they first moved into this house. I think it was like $9.99. But I think it's changed. I think that it depends on the day. I think that 10 years ago when I bought it, embrace differences and do your best and never give up 
really stood out to me. But now be grateful, show compassion and be thankful, but still embrace differences stand out to me. You see how that says, listen to your parents up there too. Um, <laughs> so, so I don't think you shouldn't listen to your parents. My parents are coming here next week and I'm like doing all these things, right? Like touching up paint in the guest room and things, right? Because I already know what, like what's coming, but I'm doing it because I want to, instead of because I think that they expect me to, if that makes sense. Like the same result occurs, but I'm doing it from a place of want. I want instead of I should. And if I've learned anything in the last year, it's that there's such an important role for your own thoughts and your own self-talk. It doesn't always have to be positive. So, you know, for those that don't know me, I'm not an overly positive person. Okay. That's not the goal here is to like be positive and happy all the time. Cause that would be weird. You know, when something terrible happens, you should be angry or sad or frustrated. But the point here is just like, I get to decide when I want to be angry, sad, or frustrated. And when I get to decide something about a situation and feel how I want to feel or plan to feel versus letting it be in someone else's court. Exactly. It's about taking ownership, right? Yeah. It's not easy. So it sounds simple and technically it is simple, but it's not easy. There's no doubt about it. It takes practice. And I think that having a coach just gets you there faster. I think that's all. I don't think that you can't do it. If you listen to enough podcasts, you'll get there. There's no doubt about it. But I don't know. One of my patients said it was like having GPS and not having GPS. And so I'm like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. You so, can get there eventually. Yeah, exactly. Like, but you said a coach would help accelerate your success. And yeah. with that being said, again, really appreciate you taking the time, Amina, to come on my podcast, discuss about like mindset and expressing your authentic self. So you said that you do mindset coaching. So how can people reach out to you to learn more about what you do and how you can help them? Oh, probably the easiest is my website, dramitakumar.com. So D-R-A-M-I-T-A-K-U-M-A-R.com. That's an easy place or just email. I am who I am. And really, I have always kind of said that. I'm happy to answer calls or emails or whatever. I don't have like a special assistant, maybe someday, hopefully. But, you know, I always used to say I am who I am with my kids, my patients, my parents, my husband. It just kind of depends on how many F-bombs I drop. I think that's really depending on my audience. Sounds good. Again, appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, Thank you.